We are in Romans chapter 8, so I'd invite you to open with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 this morning. And this morning is our seventh installment going through Romans chapter 8, the greatest chapter in all of the Bible. Have I convinced you of that yet? No, not yet. (laughs) How many of you say the jury's still out? You're still not convinced. I know Roger here is saying not yet. No, oh, he's taking it back. Okay, he's taking it back. Um, So here here we are. We're we're, we're getting towards the end, and and we're getting into uh, really the closing of of this greatest chapter in the Bible. And and as Paul now begins to, to close this chapter, he closes it by asking a series of questions. And the series of questions that he asks, they're, they're rhetorical questions. They're, they're questions that the answer is obvious. The answer is actually within the question. And so we're going to look at three of these questions in this series of questions uh, today. And I believe that this is going to be a, a great blessing uh, to you and in your life today. And so we're going to begin by reading these four verses And then we will pray. Paul says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, that's the Father, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him Graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is right now. At the hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would use it to speak to our hearts today. Lord, that we would understand you and and know you uh, in a deeper way. Lord, that we would fulfill the purpose for which you have placed us in this world, which you have placed us in in this time, in in this space, in this city, in this community. Lord, we want to shine for you. We want to show forth your glory. Help us, God. Help us by the power of your spirit to be the people that you've called us to be in this day and age. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt like God was against you? Have you ever felt that way? Because of the things that you've done, the thoughts that you think, the words that you spoke, you just felt like, you know what? I've just ticked God off way too much for the last time. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that some of the things that have happened in your life were because God was angry at you, 
or against you? That God was punishing you for your sin? Have you ever felt that way? I've felt that way before. There's times in my life where I've wondered, have, have I gone too far? Have, have, I, have I pushed beyond the limits of, of God's grace? Can, can God and does God still have love for me? You know, you, you may have felt that way before. You, you may have come in here today feeling that way. Maybe you came in here today instead of feeling loved and accepted by God, you feel condemned and rejected. Maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you just feel like God is not for you, but that God is actually against you. You know, I think that's something that we've all felt at least one way or one point and one time in our lives. And this is why it is so important to know God's word. Because when those thoughts of accusation and condemnation and guilt come to us, we must remind ourselves of what God has spoken. And this verse here teaches us that God is for us. God is for us. Amen. There's no buts. There's no caveats. There's no fine print. God is for you. He's on your side. He's in your corner. You are loved by God. And even more than that, God wants you to know that you're loved by him. It's not enough for him to just love you. He wants you to know his love, experience his love, tell others of his love. God is for you. He's not against you. He's not opposed to you. So where does this idea come from that God is against us? Where does that come from? The pit of hell. Satan. The liar. The one who twists what is good and he makes it evil. Satan. Listen, if you're feeling like God is against you, if you're feeling like God is not for you, if you're feeling like God doesn't love you, let me tell you, that is not from God. Because what we see in in this book that God wrote from the first page to the last page is that God loves you. God has love for you. That's why he made you. So that you could receive and experience his love. God is for you. This idea that God is against you, that God is not for you, it is from Satan. And this is not a new idea. This is not a new lie. In fact, this is the first lie that was ever told anybody. When you go back to Genesis chapter 3, and Adam and Eve are in the garden, and God says, you can eat of all the trees, just don't eat of this one tree. Satan shows up, and he says, God doesn't love you. God doesn't want you to have that tree because he knows you'll really like it. 
He knows if you'll eat it, you'll be like God, and God doesn't want you to have that. God's not good. God is bad. God's not for you. God's against you. God doesn't love you. God hates you. That's what the enemy comes and the enemy says. The very first lie, and we know they believed the lie, and they ate of the fruit, and sin entered the world along with everything else that is bad and evil and broken. It's the first lie. It's the same lie that, God is, that, that Satan is telling God's people today, God, that God is not for you. But as we come to God's word, what does it say so plainly and so clearly? God is for you. God is on your side. God is not against you. You know, you can substitute your name there, right there in that blank. God is for Rita. There you go. And if your name's not Rita today, you can put your name in that blank. This is what the word teaches. That God is for us. That God is for his people. That God is on our side. Put your name in that blank. God is for grace. God is for, anybody else going to listen to what I'm saying today? God is for, do you believe that? Do you, do you believe that? Do you, do you know that? We should start every day by thanking God that he is for us. God, I thank you that you're on my side today. And then what flows from that, what flows from that is this first question that we're looking at here today. If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, the answer to this rhetorical question is obvious. It should be obvious. No one. No one. Nothing. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can stand against us? Listen, if God is for you, you cannot be defeated. You cannot be defeated. Now, th does this mean that we won't have any opposition in life? Well, no, of course not. What, what have we been looking at the last two weeks? It's been how, how we as Christians experience hardship and difficulty and suffering in the world. So what is he saying then? If God is for you, who can be against you? Well, I look around, I see lots of people who are against me. Satan, demons, my own conscience is against me sometimes. Sometimes even people that I know and love, you know, whatever. Like, what, what's he saying? What he is saying is that no force of evil will be successful in their stand against you because God is in your corner. Listen, if God is in your corner, it doesn't matter who's in the other corner. It, it doesn't matter. If God is on your side, it doesn't matter if it's Muhammad Ali, right? If God is on your side, it doesn't matter if it's Satan and demons and all the powers and forces of hell because Jesus Christ is in your corner, risen, glorified, king of kings, Lord of lords. The opposition of unbelievers in your life, the opposition of, of Satan in your life, the opposition of even people in your own family, it will never succeed because God is for us. Do you, do you know that? Do, do, you, do you have that confidence every day? 
When, when you face the opposition that we do face, you can bring it, but it's not going to work. It, it will not stand. It will not be successful. It, it will not be accomplished that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful security that we have as God's people. No doctor's report formed against me is going to prosper. No, no diagnosis from my psychiatrist is going to... Right? No, 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 no negative word of, of, of lies that were spoken over me as a child are going to are going to come to fruition in my path, my, my future because of my path. Like, no, all of it will be unsuccessful in my life because God is for me. And who is the us that he's talking about here? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, he's talking about his people. He, he's talking specifically about his people, his, his church, his, his bride. In, in verse 28, he, he says... Uh, that for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. This is the us that God is talking about. So let me ask you, do you love God? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Are, are you part of his family? Is he your father? Then no weapon formed against you can prosper. It's impossible. And we're going to see why here as we get into the, the next question here. Question two is in verse 32. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So the question, if, if God did not spare his son for us, how will he not give us Everything, all things. This is why no weapon formed against you can prosper. It's not even possible at this point. You know, when I was in my 20s, I did a lot of things that people in their 20s do, but I also, uh, me and a group of friends, we got into playing poker. We uh, really were playing poker like every single night for a while, and uh, not playing for real money, but playing for fake money. Um, I played for real money once, and I lost $30 in about two seconds. And I said, you know what? I'm probably not that good at this. But we did play for fun. Now, in poker, there's this thing that happens when you put so many of your chips into the pot that basically no matter what happens next... You have to go all in. How many of you have played poker? You know what I'm talking about. Three of you, this illustration is for this morning. You'll get it. What that's called is you're pot committed. That no matter what comes around, you're going all in because you already have so much invested. Jesus is pot committed to you. He's already invested so much into you by having his son die for you that why would he withhold anything from you at this point? It's like if God can lift a 20,000-ton boulder, 
he can certainly lift a five-ounce pebble. For God to give you everything, all things, it's a piece of cake for him at this point. Because God did not even spare his own son for you. Think about that. Think about the love that the father has for the son. And God was not willing to spare his son because of his love for you. Think about that. Think about how much God loves you. He's not going to turn his back on you now. He's not going to give up on you now. God has so much invested into you to walk away from you now. If God would give his son for, for you, why would he withhold anything else? Knowing how much the father loves the son, it's actually shocking that God would give him up for us. It's actually shocking that God would not spare him, as Paul writes here in verse 32. But now having given his son for us, listen to this, having given his son for us, how will he not now give us everything that Christ purchased for us? Having not spared his son, why would he withhold the things his son's death purchased for us? God loves Jesus too much to do that. That's not who God is. God is not arbitrary. God, God is not vindictive. God is not like your ex-wife or ex-husband. He, he's not like that with his love. That's who Satan wants us to believe he is, but that's not who God is. Listen to this. God, it is impossible for God to withhold from us what Christ has accomplished for us. I'm going to say it again. It is impossible for God to withhold from us what Christ has accomplished for us. It's impossible because of God's love for you and also because of God's love for his son. That his death on the cross it purchased for us an inheritance of this all things. And we're going to talk about that in a second, this all things. But God's not going to get punitive now. God who's given us his son, he's not just going to, you know, turn off the faucet now of his blessing in our life. He's not going to get stingy now. So this all things, what is this all things that he's talking about. Well, as we looked in verse 29 yesterday, that God's purpose and plan for us, ultimate purpose, there's two of them. The first is that we would be conformed into the image of Christ. So what this means is that God will give us all things. He will give us everything that we need to be conformed to the image of Christ. That the image of Christ, the nature of Christ, the glory of Christ, the character of Christ would be produced in our lives. God withholds nothing that we need to become like Christ and to live with him forever. God stands ready to give us whatever we need 
to become like Jesus. The second purpose that we saw last week, ultimate purpose in verse 30, was that we would be glorified, that we would share in the glory of God for all eternity. And so God is going to give you whatever you need to make it to glory. Whatever you need, whatever encouragement, whatever power, whatever strength, whatever it takes to get you to glory, God is going to give to you. God has guaranteed it. He has promised it for you. You can be assured that he is not going to abandon you at the end, but that he will, through his spirit and through his power, carry you, complete the work that he has started in you. This all things refers to the final, complete fruition of our redemption in glory. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, no eye has seen no, ha- no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I've seen some stuff. It can't even compare to what God has prepared for those who love him. I've, em- I've got a wild imagination. I can imagine a lot. You can't even imagine it. Think beyond, what what is your wildest imagination of what God could have prepared for you? What God has prepared for you can't even be compared to your wildest imagination. Right now, my wife and Heather, my wife, Heather, (laughs) and I, my wife, Heather, and I, I told you I ate a lot of turkey, got some turkey on the brain. We're, we're looking at moving, and so we're looking at houses online, and, um, you know, you can go on there and you can put in your budget, right? So, like, don't show me any houses over what I can afford. And so, usually after I get bored of looking at those houses, I, I turn that off, and I see, oh, what is this $2 million house? All of a sudden, you know, covetousness, jealousy, greed, all of that stuff, Right? I can, I've seen a lot. I can imagine a lot. Can't even compare. Cannot even compare to what God has prepared for those who love him. And God will give you everything that you need to make sure you make it there. That's the all things. That's the all things. The power to endure the power to press on, the power to not throw in the towel, where does that come from? You think that comes from you? Oh, it comes from Jesus. It comes from the Spirit. Listen, we can't, we can't endure in our own strength. We can't persevere in our own strength. We can't even, we can't do nothing, the Bible says. We, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. But with him, we can do all things. And so whatever we face in, the, in this life, God is going to give us the power, the strength, the perseverance so that we will make it to the end, that we will be standing with him in the new heavens and the new earth, that we will receive every single thing that he has prepared for us. And that's great news. 
That's good news. Question number three is in verse 33 today. And in verse 34, he echoes it again. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Is it God? It is God who justifies. Again, the question, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall bring any charge against you? Who's going to condemn you? Now, Satan certainly loves to try, doesn't he? Oh, Satan is the voice of the accuser. Revelation 12.10 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, that he stands night and day trying to bring accusations against you. And the bad news is we give him a lot of material to work with, don't we? He doesn't even have to invent stuff. He can just take the stuff that we do to accuse us. Not only does Satan accuse us, other people accuse us, other people condemn us. Our own, conscious, our own conscience accuses us and condemns us. Our own sin certainly brings accusation and condemnation into our lives. But you know who doesn't accuse us? Christ. Jesus. Not only that, but Jesus stands night and day at the right hand of the Father, standing in the gap, interceding on our behalf. So that when we are weak, he is our strength. So that when we are unfaithful, he always remains faithful. When we fall short, he picks us up. And when we sin, he is our advocate with the Father. The voice of the accuser, the voice of condemnation, it says, your right standing with God is based on your personal performance. And since your performance is lacking, your relationship with God is in jeopardy. That's what the voice of the accuser says. Your right standing before God, your relationship with God, it's based on your personal performance. And judging by the week you just had, you and God, your whole relationship with God, it's in jeopardy. That's the voice of the accuser. That's the voice of Satan. And listen, if my right standing before God depends on my personal performance, if that is the truth, I am lost. I am hopelessly lost. I am doomed. I have no hope. But my right standing with God does not depend on my personal performance or my actions or my deeds. My right standing with God rests solely on the shoulders of Jesus Christ because he carried my cross. He bore my shame. He shed his blood. He conquered all of my enemies. And he right now stands day and night interceding for me. And if you are one of God's people, he's standing there right now interceding 
for you, praying for you, standing in the gap for you, so that every accusation falls flat, so that every voice of condemnation is silenced in the presence of the Father. His work cancels every charge. There's no sin too great, no failure too large that can overcome his love or his power or his faithfulness or his grace or his mercy. Whatever lack I have, his abundance covers all of it, makes up for all of it. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sin from us so that when the father looks at me he declares that I am his son that I am righteous that I am without sin because Jesus has paid the price for my sin any accuser Satan, circumstance, sin my conscience it shrivels up standing next to the risen Christ who is interceding for us at God's right hand. Last week we saw in verse 26 how the Holy Spirit is interceding through us. And here we see in verse 34 that Jesus is interceding from above for us. So the question is, if the Father has chosen us and the Father has justified us, And if the Son and the Spirit are interceding for us, who's going to win a case against us? No one. No one. Who can bring a charge against you before the Father? No one. Because you know who's standing between the accuser and the Father? Jesus Christ. And you got to go through him. And let me tell you, nothing is moving him. He is the rock that cannot move. Amen. You cannot move him. What sin has the cross failed to overrule for God's people? No sin. So in conclusion today, because God is for you, no one can stand against you. No weapon is going to prosper in your life. Even if, even if someone in the pursuit of you pursuing God, even if someone were to take your life, even if you were to be martyred for the cause of Christ, you know what they've done? They've just punched your ticket to glory. That's all they've done. You've lost nothing and gained everything. How can you lose? When God is for you, you can't. It is impossible. We are victorious because God is with us. God's commitment to you is beyond what you could ever imagine. We see his commitment to us in the sacrificing of his son. God is giving you everything you need to guarantee your success and bring you into the glorious inheritance he has prepared for you. And right now, 
And every moment of every day, Jesus Christ, the risen Savior and Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, stands at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. All day, every day. Guaranteeing that no accusation and no condemnation will stand against you. And this is where we as God's people, this is where we're supposed to live. This is where we're supposed to camp out. This is where we should wake up and eat our breakfast and eat our dinner and go to bed. It's all about this love and this grace and this mercy that has come from the Father through the Son, uh, uh, receiving of the Holy Spirit day in and day out living in this reality that no weapon formed against me will prosper. If it's in my life, God's going to work it for my good. Every hardship, every trial, every temptation, even every failure, God will turn for my good, working it all according to his perfect plan and purpose. So whatever is in my life, I know that it will work for my good because we serve the all-powerful, almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's not sparing any of his power on you. He's not holding anything back from you. Everything good, he will give to his children. Everything that you need, he will give to you to ensure that you become like his son Jesus, to ensure that you make it to glory eternity with him beyond what we can even imagine. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would uh, seal it in our hearts today, Lord, that we would know and have this confidence that you are working in our lives each and every day, even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense to our small little brains, God, that you are working, and so we choose to have faith, we choose to trust, and we choose to live knowing that you are for us, that you're not against us, knowing that you will give us all things, knowing that no accusation will stand against us because you are interceding for us. We thank you for these wonderful gifts that you have given to your people. If you're here today and, and, and you don't know where you stand with God, you, you, you're not sure that you're a believer, you're not sure that you're a Christian, you, you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, Listen, today's your day. Today's the day for you to, to turn from sin and to trust in Jesus. Today's the day for you to, to simply receive the work of Christ in your life by faith. To simply say, I'm going to trust in Christ. I'm going, to, I'm going to trust in his work on the cross for me. I'm not going to base my right standing with God on my own works, my own actions, my own goodness, my own righteousness. Because I know that that will not be enough. I, I'm going to base my right standing with God on the work of Christ on the cross. Listen, if you will do that, you can rest assured no weapon formed against you will prosper. If you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can rest assured that no condemnation against you will stand. You can rest assured that every single sin that you have ever committed or will commit will be forgiven and you will be washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
It's a free gift of grace. We receive it through faith. If that's you here today, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. You can leave here with the confidence and the assurity that you are one of God's children, that you are one of his chosen, that you are being brought into his family, and that all of the blessings that he has, that he brings with it, that they are yours in Christ Jesus, and that God is for you. So I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. I'm going to ask all of us to pray this prayer together. Let's say it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I repent of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me. Make me righteous. Thank you for loving me. I am now your child. Help me to follow Jesus all the days of my life and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.